Hello, this is Zach Cherian. Thank you so much for joining us for our podcast today. We are really excited to bring you this teaching. Please open your heart and, if you can, your Bibles and receive this word from the Lord recorded live at Brazen Grace Fellowship. Awesome. You all ready for the word today? Yeah. Amen. I'll tell you what, let's start at 2 Timothy 1 7. Bless God. We have been. Um, the Lord put this on my heart to do a series on freedom from fear. Freedom from fear. And uh, I, I touched on it last week, and last week was a heavy one, but I'm glad you all sat through that, survived. And uh, had, to, had to deal with things that we have allowed in the church that we think we are warning people by preaching certain sermons and writing books about certain things when... All we're doing is putting fear in the hearts of people and anxiety. I'm being very honest with you people. My office is booked with counseling. And a lot of times it's because people are going, having panic attacks, fear. And a lot of times, a lot of these things come from wrong believing, wrong thinking, wrong foundations that have been laid over the years. And sadly, they all happened in church. Church is supposed to be the place that you leave with hope, faith, love, and instead you leave feeling heavy. So it's really important that I touched on it, so thank you for your patience. Today we're just going to uh, dig a little deeper. Is that okay with you? Yes, sir. And I want you to help me preach, and let's read that out loud. That's on the screen out there. Ready? Read. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of and a sound mind. Read it again. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power of love, and a sound mind. Why don't you turn with me to Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, I'm going to read verse number 14 and 15. This is really important because I, I'm watching new covenant believers struggling with all sorts of fears and phobias in it. It's kind of funny that there's fear is almost entertained today, isn't it? Yeah, and the Bible tells us 365 times in every way possible, don't fear. You're right. You're right. Just don't let fear into your life. Don't entertain fear. Don't tolerate fear. Don't celebrate fear. Don't humorize fear. It's still fear and it's not good for you. It has nothing to do with you. Amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 2 verse 14 and 15 says, Inasmuch as the children have partaken of flesh and blood... He himself likewise shared in the same, speaking of Jesus, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil. Why? And release those who through fear of death. You notice that? And release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. How does the devil keep us subject to bondage? How does the devil keep us bound? How does the devil keep us tied up? Through fear. Right. Through fear. Amen? Right. Satan doesn't, hasn't come up with anything original. It's the same old stuff. It just looks a little different because of the methods. It is still fear that he uses to get into the life of a believer. There's nothing bigger he can do than convince a believer that they are still bound. That they are still, they're still uh, addicted. They're still in sin. They're still an unbeliever. You're still a sinner. 
And if you believe these things, you stay bound. Amen. Satan will do everything he possibly can to keep you ignorant of what Jesus has already done for you. And Hebrews chapter 2 verse 15 says that Jesus has destroyed his power, destroyed the works of Satan. Who? Satan, the one who kept us bound through fear. Turn to Genesis chapter 3. Say, fear has no place in my life. God has set me free. I'm no longer bound. I am delivered. Set free. Fear has no place in my life. Genesis chapter 3. Before we do that, put your hand on your head. Say, stinking thinking. You got to go. Tonight I receive revelation. In Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 3. Very familiar passage of scripture. I want to I show you something. Let's read from verse number 7 through 10. 7 through 10. Genesis chapter 3, starting at verse number 7 through 10. If you're there, give me a loud yes, sir. Yes, sir. Then, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife, watch this, hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. Verse 9. Then the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? So he said, last verse, number 10. I heard your voice in the garden and I was Afraid. I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Listen to me carefully. Shame and fear were never meant to be experienced by man. Shame which comes from guilt. Shame and fear were never meant to be experienced by man. You notice how the fear came from guilt. Let me ask you this question. Who told him to be afraid? God had never revealed himself as someone that was going to punish them. Even when God said, don't eat, he, never, he only told them, you will die. He never said what he would do in response to them eating. And yet man came up with an understanding that God was going to be mad at me. Whenever we walk in sin, you always walk in a marred revelation of who God is. Because your revelation of God does not come from the personality or the character or the logic of God. It comes from your marred view of who you think God is through your slave or your sin glasses. You're right. All of a sudden, God who never introduced himself. How many of you know that if God really wanted to keep away from them and if God was really mad at them, God was angry at the point of sin. Right? And yet you see a father... Coming down like he always did, looking for them. That's beautiful. Even when they messed up, it was God who was seeking them out. Hallelujah. Even when they blew it, it was God who was pursuing after them. And they said, we ran and hid ourselves and, and God has this perplexing. Why? Who told you you were naked? 
See, you look at that and you go, what does that mean? God was saying, you don't come up with opinions about who you are, what you are, or what you're wearing. You got to have to listen to me. Let me tell you who you are. You're not naked until I tell you you are naked. <laughs> we hid ourselves. And you see the introduction of fear. The introduction of fear. Why? Because they believed a lie. They believed a lie that God held something back from them. What God held back from them was something that was good for them. It wasn't his character. It wasn't his nature. It wasn't his power. All that God gave to man. All that God gave to man. But Satan comes and says, did God really say that? Because God was actually holding back something from you. God was keeping a part of himself from you. He didn't want to give you all of him when actually the Bible tells us in his likeness and in his image. And here comes Satan, puts the lie in. When man had a question, what should have man done? Gone back to the source. If you had a problem, if you were all that or not, you should have gone to the one that created you. As soon as you take it upon yourself to become something that you think you need to be. As soon as you take it upon yourself to pray 21 days because you think that's the key to the power of God in my life. Whenever you take it upon yourself to work your own spirituality or your own salvation, you'll always end up looking naked and hiding. All they had to do was, Father, was there anything else you didn't give us? <laughs> Father, Satan says that you didn't give us something. Satan puts that lack of trust. He puts the distrust in the heart. <laughs> Proverbs 3 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Why? Because you can trust him. <laughs> you can trust him. Whenever you trust in yourself or even in the arm of flesh, the Bible says it will fail you. The Bible says to put your trust in the flesh will, will become a curse unto you. Mm. In the garden, God created man to be a faith being. People ask me, what, what happened? Their eyes opened. What do you mean their eyes opened? I'll tell you what happened. Their eyes opened in the sense that they went from being faith beings to now being feeling beings. <laughs> they went from being a faith being to now being a sense being. So now they were led by their five senses, not by faith. That's why something in them died. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we come alive. The death that happened in the garden is reversed. And now as a new covenant believer, listen to me, you walk by and not by sight. See, it's always reversing. God is trying to take us back because we will never fulfill our destiny until we walk in God's original plan for our lives. God's original plan was not for us to walk with feelings. Not to walk by what we see, smell, taste, touch. But to walk by faith. Faith. Hebrews 11 tells us that faith operates in the unseen. Fear can only operate in the seen. They went from existing by faith to existing by feeling. 
something happened. Satan, from the beginning, has been trying to make you live by your senses. If they had faith, they would have said, mm, my father would never hold anything back from me. Because he's good. Come on. My father would not do that. My father don't send hurricanes. My father don't send tornadoes. My father don't steal, kill, and destroy. My father came to give life and to give it more abundantly. That's my father. So I don't know which you, who you're talking about, Satan. I don't care who you're talking about. When God says you're anointed, your response is, by faith, amen. Amen. Not okay, what do I need to do? How long do I need to pray to get anointed? What else do I got to do? God was the source of all things for man. If he felt that something was missing, he should have taken it up with the source. But man believed the lie rather than trusting in the goodness of the Father. And that's the beginning of all fear. Why couldn't they just believe the Father? He was walking with them every day. He was living in them. You know, the word Eden means the presence of. They were actually constantly living in the ever-abiding presence of God. Yeah, he physically came and walked with them in the evening, but he was always there. How do I know? Because they came to life because he breathed himself into them. Amen. They came alive because he breathed himself into them. Do you know at salvation, that's exactly what happened to you. God breathed life into dead you and you came alive. No longer are you a fleshy, sinful, ignorant, useless, worthless worm. Now you're a new creation. You have been regenerated. You got new genes. I was saying this to the guys at the, all night, at the, at the intercessory prayer. The original man was made out of dust. And when man fell, we start dying and we're going back to dust. But the new, new creation believer, the new generated one, we are not made of the corruptible. We're made of the incorruptible. We are no longer made of dust. See, in the Bible, when God cursed Satan, one of the curses upon him is you will always eat dust. The non-regenerated man. The man that is not a new creation is still made out of dust and it's open season for Satan to eat. But the new covenant regenerated new creation believer is not made out of dust. He is made by the very life of God. He is not made of flesh and bones. Satan can't touch you. You hear me? Satan can't touch you. The only thing Satan has in a new covenant believer is his ignorance. The only thing Satan has in a new covenant believer is what he believes. And if you can get your believing in alignment with the nature and the goodness of God, then Satan can't touch you. So it's really important that you understand this. Because if Satan can put fear into your life, I said this last week and I'll say it again. Fear is giving Satan to permission to cloud your worldview with his reality. Faith, on the other hand, is denying the reality that Satan wants you to see. So he comes and says, when's the last time you healed somebody? Huh? You really anointed? When's the last time you healed someone or raised them from the dead? 
You know what you respond when that happens? God says, I'm anointed. Man shall not live by bread, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Satan came to Jesus and said, you really anointed? Turn this stone into bread. You really anointed? Jump off this cliff. Prove to me that you're anointed. Here's the funny thing. Jesus hadn't done a single miracle yet. But instead of falling for the temptation of Satan and trying to prove to Satan, if Jesus had done that, fear and shame would have crept in sooner or later. Jesus knew better. I go by what God says about me. I go by what God's word says about me. Listen to me. Once Satan can affect your worldview, he can infect your world. Did you hear me? Once Satan can affect your worldview, he can infect your world. And that's exactly why fear is one of his favorite tactics even to this day. What a better gift for Satan than when the church helps put fear in your heart. By telling you that the sun is turning a certain color and the blood is turning a certain color and all sorts of hell and doom and gloom is going to happen. And you're living in there panicking, freaked out because you're waiting for this and that to happen. Jesus says in the book of Luke, men's hearts will fail in anticipation of those things that are about to happen upon the earth. It's not our place to be carried away by these things, beloved. It's our place to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I don't fix my eyes on what's happening out there, out here. No, 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 no. My eyes are fixed on Jesus. Once fear creeps in, it affects your words and it affects your actions. You start speaking of yourself as fear would tell you to speak. That's why God says, who told you you're naked? Who were they listening to? They were listening to fear. Who told you you were naked? God comes to redeem man. How do I know that? Because if God wanted to judge him, he'd have judged him as soon as he sinned. And yet the father comes down looking for him, says, Adam, where are you? Adam, Adam, where are you? All Adam had to say is, here I am, Father. Not hide. Not blame the woman. (laughs) Once it affects your words, you will speak of yourself that which fear says about you. You have a choice to speak about yourself or about the circumstances, what God says, which is faith, or what, what fear says, which is doom and gloom. Which voice are you listening to today? Are you tolerating fear in your life? Once fear creeps in, fear will talk to you. Fear will speak to you. Fear will give you a worldview. Fear will tell you how much to put in the offering plate, how much not to put in the offering plate. Faith will tell you to do something drastic and big. But fear will say, don't be stupid. Why? Because fear always goes by your senses. Fear always operates only in the natural. Faith operates in the supernatural. Jesus said we walk. The Bible says we walk by faith. Faith. You're a faith being. You're a faith being. Numbers chapter 13 please. These are the spies that were sent out 
to spy the land in Canaan. And they come back and the Bible says with a bad report. Amen. That's not me. That's what the Bible says. They came back with a bad report. Verse number 32. Numbers chapter 13. Verse 32. And they gave the children of, of Israel a what? A bad report. That's not a good news, is it? And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, watch this, the land which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. Next verse, please. Now watch this very carefully, and here's a key for you living in victory. There we saw giants, the descendants of Anak, the uh, descendants of Anak came from giants, and watch this, we were like grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. Satan sees you exactly as you see yourself. Satan sees you exactly as you see yourself. We were grasshoppers in their sight, and it, we were grasshoppers in our own sight, and so we were in their sight. This is really important for you as you look at life, beloved. I'm not trying to give you some false reality of some goody little, you know, positive talking. No, I'm talking about you being everything God's word says you are. Amen. Nothing less, nothing more. If God's word says you are healed and you got a pain in your body, tell your pain in your body, you're a liar. Because God's word is ultimate truth. That's it. Whatever you see yourself as. And so Satan will bring fear into your life so he can twist how you see yourself. As soon as fear comes in, it affects your words. <laughs> we were grasshoppers. Now here's the thing. They were big. But they weren't that big. Yeah, you're right. But when your worldview is, is corrupted by fear... You see yourself as little, as worthless, as useless. You see, it all comes back down to the message of identity. How do you see yourself? Who do you say you are? Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. But who are you? It all comes down to what you believe about yourself. It all, it all comes down to that. Jesus came first and foremost to reveal what the Father is like. So you can get a fresh revelation of how good the Father is. But that's only half of the equation. The other half of it is Jesus not just came to reveal what the Father is like, but came to reveal what you look like. Amen. And if you don't see who you are in Him, the Bible says in 1 John 4, As He is, so are we. Someday when we fly away. Huh? Someday when we meet him in the air. No. So are we in this world. Who am I? I'm just like Jesus. Oh, but preacher, if I lost a little weight, it, it might be. No, no, see, you're walking by your senses. 
If, if I could just heal a few people, if I, could, if I could just go raise the dead, then I would. No, no, no. You're walking by your senses. You need to first, faith is saying what God says about you before you ever manifest the thing that God says you're doing. God is not a liar. He's just a faith God. So when he sees nasty old you and says, you are a holy people. Well, Lord, let me just tell you what I did last summer. No, you missed the whole point. God is a faith God. And the sooner you see what God sees, the sooner you manifest what God says you are. If God says you're anointed, if God says you're a prophet, just say amen. Rather than go around confessing what you see through the lens that Satan wants you to see. Well, we're just grasshoppers. And here's what the Bible says. You will be exactly to Satan what you say you are. So if you call yourself a worm, he likes worms because they live in dust. I'm just a sinner. Well, sinners sin. Let's look at another giant story. Turn to 1 Samuel 17. First Samuel 17. David is eat, uh, you know, taking care of his sheep one day. I'm going to do a whole series on David. I'm, I'm, I'm tripping on this guy lately. <laughs> Except for the creating me a clean heart part. There's a, a lot of good stuff in there. David's feeding his sheep and having a good day. I love David, man. I love David. He's a great guy. I love how people think that one random day, Saul just saw the first brave guy and said, all right, go ahead. Take on the giant. Did you know the entire kingdom was at stake? So Saul had to pick the best one. I don't know why Saul didn't go himself, little chicken. But Saul didn't just pick some random guy. When Saul was fighting his own demons, he called this anointed boy to cast the demon out of him by playing music. It wasn't some random choice. It was because David showed faithfulness in little things. So what you're doing right now might not look really big or really significant. But your tomorrow's destiny, your tomorrow's royalty is dependent on you being faithful on what seems small to you right now. I was so free, by the way. Here's David taking care of a sheep, already anointed that he shall be king. Just because you got a word from the Lord doesn't mean you start acting like, or telling everyone, bow down before me. I saw a dream. And in my dream, y'all were all serving me, so bow down. They caught him, they tied him up, and they sold him. That was Joseph. David was a little smarter. He just shut up. David knew if God said it, it'll happen. But just because God said I'm going to be king doesn't mean I can't be faithful to the little things that God's given me. God said I'm going to be a pastor one day. What do you mean clean the chairs? Huh? Do you know what my anointing is, sir? Obviously, pastor, you don't have discernment to see who I am. <laughs> you know how many people I have met that have completely missed their destiny because they can't be faithful in the little that God's given them and they allow the pressure of tomorrow to force them out of the faithfulness and little things in the today. And somehow it's you playing the harp today for a demon-possessed guy. It's you taking care of sheep today that makes you the king one day. It's you being faithful to take bread and cheese for your brothers. That is the key to you becoming the king one day. 
I feel the Holy Ghost on that. I want to change my sermon, but I'm just going to walk away. <laughs> Woo! David, come here, boy. Yes, Dad. Take this food to your brothers. They're out there fighting. Oh, they are? Take the food to your brothers. Take the food to your brothers. Okay. Yes, Dad. Here's David excited to go be a part of a military. I'm going to see my Israeli military in all its action and force. I'm going to go there and I'm going to see my brother standing. Right? All lined up and, you know, just, I'm, I'm going to see my brothers kicking butt. David shows up there and they're all hiding like wimps in their tent. Fear had crept into the camp because they were walking by sight. <laughs> How are we going to take him down? For we are grasshoppers. Like a generational curse. For we are grasshoppers. <laughs> David shows up. Mm -mm -mm. Gonna skip a lot of this stuff. Go to verse 20, Santos. Can we start there? So David rose early, left the sheep with the keeper, took the things, and went to as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the camp as the army was going on, going out to fight and shouting for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle, army against army. And David kept his supplies in the hand. The supply keeper ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine, the Gath, Goliath by name. Coming up from the armies of Philistines. And he spoke according to the same words. So David heard him. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him. Some mighty men of Israel they were. And were dreadfully afraid. So the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? <laughs> Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches, will give him his daughter. That's when David's eyes opened. <laughs> And gave his father's house exemption from taxes in Israel. Come on now. If the hot daughter didn't do it, the free taxes would have done it. And yet, none of those two things were good enough for the men of Israel to go and take Goliath. Verse 26. Watch David's perspective. Fear is all about perspective. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Now watch this. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Oh, come on now. Oh, come on now. Grasshoppers. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine? What's he talking about? He can be as big as he wants to be, but he ain't got covenant. I got covenant. 
I got covenant. He can be a giant. He can be Anak. He can be. I got covenant. And covenant always wins. Let me ask you this question. Was David the only one who had covenant? My people perish. For a lack of knowledge. This story should have gone completely different if it wasn't for one boy that had a revelation of who he was. <laughs> the only thing he could talk about was not the size of the giant, how big he was, how mighty he was. <laughs> who is this uncircumcised Philistine? Go down to verse 32. 31, please. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul, and he sent for him. Then David said to Saul, watch this, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Did David have every reason to be scared? Yeah. Did David have every reason to, to be afraid? In the natural, yes. When you walk by your senses, when you walk by sight, everything looks big. Every problem looks massive. Everything looks huge. But you see, you're not a natural human. You're not a commoner. You're a person of covenant. And bless God if the old covenant promises were good. We in the new covenant are based on better promises. Better promises. You don't even have to think about the devil. You don't even have to worry about the devil. In fact, now he's not even big. He's not even a giant. He's been disarmed. He's been completely disarmed. He's a nobody. Nobody. At least in the old covenant, he could show up big and scare the living daylights out of you. He's a nobody. David speaks God's reality. David walked by faith. Faith. Turn to Colossians 2 and I'm going to close with this. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 verse 14. This is what Jesus did for you. Having canceled and blotted out and wiped away the handwriting of the note bond with its legal decrees and commands which was in force and stood against us, that which was hostile to us. This note, what's it talking about? Come on, what's it talking about? The law, this note with its regulations, decrees and demands, he set aside and cleared completely out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Meaning what? That which Satan had against you was the law. And so God takes the one thing that Satan had against you and moves it completely out of the way. Verse 15, God or Jesus disarmed the principalities and powers that were ranged against us and made a bold display and public example of them in triumphing over them. That's what he did on the cross. He made a public display. 
Historians tell us the language in which Paul wrote this was what would happen when a king, a mighty king that had come against a nation, what they would do to them is they would go take the king and they would chop off his thumb and chop off his toes. Why? So he could never hold a weapon against you again. And if he were ever to stand up, his toes would make him fall. That's how much God took care of Satan for you. And then he would parade, usually naked, this defeated foe who cannot hold a weapon and can't even hardly stand. And parade him for everybody to see. Why? So then when people would see him, they would say, we don't have to fear that enemy ever again. We don't have to fear that enemy ever again. You have nothing to fear. You have nothing to fear. To fear. Did you hear me? Yes. You have nothing to fear. And not even fear itself. Amen. You have nothing to fear. I feel the Lord putting this on my heart really heavy right now. For, I don't know who it's, but I'm just going to speak it. God wants me to talk to some of you that have been walking, that have been trying to live right. Trying to live holy. And you keep falling. And you make promises and you keep falling. And you make promises and you keep falling. And then you almost lose faith in your own word. Because you've made so many promises. I will. I'll try. I'm going to try. And you keep falling. And you keep falling. And tonight God wants to deliver somebody in this room from the fear of falling. The first thing you're going to have to do, number one, is take off the responsibility from yourself to be holy. The book of Jude says it this way. Now unto him. Are you listening to me? Now unto him. That is able to keep you from falling. Let me ask you this question. Whose responsibility is it to keep you from falling? Is it your hard work? Is it your efforts? Is it your promise? Is it your covenant? Whose Whose responsibility is it for you to keep falling? The Bible says, now unto him that is able to keep you from stumbling. It is not you that keeps yourself holy. It is not you that can try. Because in our own efforts, we fail, we fail, we fail. Today, God wants you to say, God, it is you that keeps me from falling. And the next verse goes on to say, but it is he that presents you faultless. God presents you faultless. Did you just read that? God does not present you with a list of all your sins and a video that follows of all the sins you have committed on that day when we stand before him. There's going to be a big list. No, 1 John 4 says, in the day of judgment, we have no fear. No fear. No fear. Why? Because he is the one that keeps me from falling. And he is the one that presents me faultless. Amen. It's God's faith desire that the earth be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Is that even possible, Zach? We hear you preaching all these glory messages of how the earth will be filled in the natural? No. It's impossible. It just seems absolutely impossible, does it? Forget the world. We can't seem to change the minds of some church folk to see the glory rather than see the darkness. 
Is it possible? Brazen Grace, I want you to know. You may be playing a harp today. I, I used to say things like, maybe not in my lifetime. But at least in the next generation, they will see the earth filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. Amen. The earth is already filled with the glory, by the way. Yeah. We're talking about the earth being filled with the view, with the knowledge yeah. of the glory of God. Can it happen? Yes. Seems like a really big Goliath. What can little old you and me do to change this world to see that the earth is already full of his glory? Huh? You think your little business can change the world? You think your little media business, your little ministry, your little playing, your little doing this and that, can the little, little small praise and grace, big deal, what can we do to change the world? What can we do to fill the, the, the world with the, glory of, with the knowledge of the glory of God? Is that how you see it? Can this generation change? Can this generation see this grace gospel being preached throughout the earth? Is it possible? Can a nation be saved in a day? Come on now. Can we, can, we, can we start believing? Are we so caught up in our little battles that we can't see the big picture that God wants us to see? Satan is having a beautiful heyday, keeping you limited on the small thing. Today, I dare you. Take a ride on eagle's wings. Go up higher. Look at that big problem you think was massive and see how small it is from up here. We have the news inundating us with fear. If it's good news, it's not reported. If a gunman tries to kill people and they take him down and only two people die, you won't hear about it. That's what happened last week. Most of you didn't even hear about it. But the dude that did succeed in killing about 10, 15 people, you'll hear about that one. Each side using situations for their own advantage. One pro-gun, one anti-gun. Everyone trying to take advantage of bad news. Our own hatred of authority. Can I say something from my heart for just a second? Is it possible to truly disagree without dishonoring? Or are we so clouded in our mind and our judgment that we're suspicious of everything? We're paranoid. Obama's a Muslim. They're trying to take our guns away. This is all a conspiracy. They're trying to take over. We live in a paranoid culture. So what if Satan's busy? The more we give what Satan's doing attention, the more it glorifies. Why don't we give what God is doing around the earth some attention? Why don't we focus on the glory of the Lord, not on the darkness? Fear only shows one thing in the life of a believer. That you're looking at the wrong thing. Are you afraid of your marriage failing? Are you afraid of getting bankrupt? So you hoard? Are you afraid? Are you walking in fear of sinning? So you're always tiptoeing around like a tightrope walk? Trying not to sin? God wants to deliver you. Tonight, we are breaking the power of fear off of you whatever your fear is the Bible calls it a spirit and God wants to make it very clear that he has not given you a spirit of fear he has not given you a spirit of fear but instead love
Why love? Listen to me. Because faith cannot cast out fear. Listen to me carefully. Faith cannot cast out fear. Only love casts out fear. Fear and faith are just opposite ends of the same, of the same stick. You cannot cast out fear by faith. But you know what happens? Perfect love casts out fear. What does that mean? That perfect love that's within you. Did you know that perfect love lives within you? Yeah. The perfect love within you flushes out fear. Flushes out fear. So all I'm going to ask you to do today is lift your hands and just receive that love. Receive that perfect love. Receive that perfect love. And right now I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask for the Holy Spirit. He is love. <laughs>